Hello, hello, and welcome to Risk and Reward, where the best in the insurance industry come to motivate and educate the future leaders in insurance. I'm Claire Richardson, a senior studying risk management and insurance at the wonderful Butler University, where I'm also the president of the Beta Lambda chapter of Gamma Yota Sigma. Today, I am joined by Elizabeth Bailey, the vice president of workers' compensation at Waffle House International. Elizabeth has seen it all in her 25 years at Waffle House and utilizes her knowledge to better her community through her participation in various insurance organizations in the Atlanta area. Thank you for joining us today, Elizabeth. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're interested to hear a little bit more about how you got to insurance and stayed in insurance for as long as you have. So I'd love to hear about that. Sure. I'll try and make it brief, and it's not going to be probably the story you expected. I'm obviously a little bit older than you, and so my career story is a little bit different, too. And if I'm going to be completely transparent, all I wanted to do was get married, have kids, and bake cookies when they came home from school. That's all I wanted to do. So when I graduated from college with a degree at Ole Miss in business management, I really was just thinking, I just want a job until I can get to my end game, which was to get married, have kids, and bake cookies. And so I worked initially as a paralegal for a law firm, which I thought, well, this is a great stopgap until my ultimate goal. And I specifically, when I moved to Atlanta, I worked for a couple of different law firms, but in Atlanta for nine years, I worked for a workers' comp defense attorney. And during that time period, um, I was dating a guy that I thought was going to be the guy, and then he crushed my heart like a bug. And so then I started thinking, well, I need to come up with a plan B because marriage, kids, and baking cookies might not be what is in the cards for me. So I started exploring what I knew because that's always a great jumping off place when you're looking for a new job. And what I knew something about was workers' compensation because I'd worked for a defense attorney for nine years. And I started answering little blind ads in the newspaper. This is when you found jobs in the newspaper, not with all the ways you look for jobs now. And there was a blind ad. And as it turns out, it was for Waffle House, um, which is a large, um, predominantly southeastern restaurant chain, but they're actually in um, 24 states total. And so I thought, what the heck, I'm just going to go and check out Waffle House. They were looking for someone that they needed to manage their workers' comp claims. I knew nothing about claims. I knew nothing about any of it. I had never managed people. And that's a whole other story for another day as far as how I actually wound up agreeing to accept to work for Waffle House. But that's how I wound up in the insurance world. Um, we'll just say it was all because of a boy who broke my heart. So uh, <laughs> how do you like that? But then since then, I've been with the Waffle House for 25 years managing their program, and it's been a wonderful ride. I love that storyline. It's awesome. <laughs> so obviously, you've learned why learning on the job is so important. Mm-hmm. But would you be able to explain why workers' compensation kind of in general is so important to, to a really a functioning company? Absolutely. And I'll start with one of the things that when I was interviewing for Waffle House, I asked, what's the secret to Waffle House? Because we don't do any slick marketing. There's nothing like that that goes on with Waffle House. And the answer I got really resonated with me really through my entire career. And the answer is, 
We like to think of ourselves in the people business and we happen to serve food on the side. And so at the end of the day, we care about our people. And so if we're going to say, why is workers' compensation so important is we care about the people who work for us. Um, we want to get them fixed and back to work. That's our mantra in my department. That's our goal. We want them to get to the best doctors they can, get the treatment that they need, and ultimately get back to work. Um, where, and in our case, because we're such a relational business, so they can get back with their customers, their coworkers, that type of thing. So, so that's really ultimately why workers' comp is important because it takes care of the injured employee with no out-of-pocket medical expenses. They get indemnity, lost wage benefits, so that they really can focus on getting better. Thank you, thank you. So. When I know when I'm reading about workers' compensation insurance, I kind of get these two mixed up, but how is workers' compensation insurance different than employers' liability insurance? Yes, and I will say my focus is primarily workers' comp. While we do have employers' liability coverage at Waffle House, I would say our industry in general is not as um, inclined towards employers' liability, and I'll get to that in a minute. Workers' comp is a state-mandated coverage for employees, and it's basically for any work-related injuries that happen in what we call in the course and scope of employment. So if it happens at work, it's covered. Now, there are things that aren't covered, um, horse play or, you know, uh, there, there are different things that would not be covered. But for the most part, um, one of the mantras in my department is we pay for stupidity. It doesn't matter if one of our employees does something really stupid and they do a lot of really stupid things, as long as it's in the course and scope of employment, we cover it. So, and certainly there are reasons to deny claims, but generally that's how it is. So, and certainly, you know, if someone is under the influence of drugs or alcohol, we wouldn't cover that. Um, you know, we do have some assault claims and if it's personal in nature, um, you know, if it's, you know, ex-boyfriend going after, you know, his woman, you know, no, we're not going to do that. Or injuries are self-inflicted where they're just angry and they just smash the door with their fist just because they're mad at the world. We're not going to cover that. But basically, if it happens on the job, we're going to cover it. And so, with workers' comp, it's also, it needs to be an injury. It has to be something specific that has happened. Uh, there's some exceptions to that, like cumulative trauma, like repetitive motion, carpal tunnel syndrome, but generally there's an injury. So with employer's liability, I think you're going to see this more, what I would consider like in manufacturing plants that perhaps were blatantly not following safety procedures. There was, gosh, it was probably 10, 15 years ago in Georgia, there was a sugar plant that blew up. It was terrible. There were, many of their employees were killed. There were bad, bad burn injuries. It was terrible. Well, workers' comp isn't going to be the right remedy for that. The employer did some things that weren't right and did not maintain a safe work environment. And then that's where employers' liability is going to come into play. But in general terms with workers' compensation, it's a no-fault system. So 
workers' comp is going to be primary, and an employee can't go after, let, let's say for us, like if they, we have cutting gloves in the restaurant to protect them from when they're cutting onions. They can't sue us because the cutting glove wasn't in the restaurant. Do you know that they can't go after us for um, pain and suffering and the big GL kind of dollars? Um, so it protects us and kind of caps our exposure, but at the same time, it provides the employee what they need when they're injured. Does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you. So you mentioned the cutting gloves and a, and a couple other mechanisms to kind of increase the safety of your employees. What are some other examples of loss control and safety efforts that you or others really have implemented while at Waffle House? Um, absolutely. We've done a lot of things. And um, as you might recall, I told you we pay for stupidity. So the whole idea is what do we do to make things idiot proof? Okay. So where people don't have to think about it. So one of the things we did probably this was, oh gosh, over 20 years ago, we put a more aggressive tile in our back bar area. Uh, our back bar area is where the grill is. It, you can see it if you're a customer in Waffle House. And if you go to Waffle House, you'll notice that we have one type of tile for customers that has some grit to it, but the tile in the back bar area, it's pretty aggressive. Um, and so it's hard to slip on it. And it also reduced what I would call fake slips because, and you know, you will see, you know, with some employers, people will fake a slip and fall where, where no one's looking. They'll like just get down on the on floor and say, Oh, my back, my back. Well, with this tile, if you slip on it, you should be bleeding because the tile is, it has a, it's just, it's more abrasive. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're going to fall on it. And so that certainly has reduced our slip and falls to really nothing. A lot of it's also been partnering with vendors to really figure out what can we do to make things accident proof or reduce the accident. So there was a time that a lot of our food products, like say our dill pickle chips and things like that came in big cans. And then we had can openers that you'd have to use to open the cans. And it wound up with really serious lacerations to hands. Sometimes if, if you know, something happened, it, it could be where you had cut tendons and really bad. And so what we have now is all of those kind of products are just in big plastic bags. So you just have to cut them open and do it like that. Same thing with um, plastic wrap. It used to be we had plastic wrap with the serrated edges. And if, if you happen to do it just the wrong way, you could cut your hand. And now it's just where they have kind of a slide bar where you just kind of slide across. So you can't cut yourself. Even things like reducing the size of our garbage cans. So when they're taking the trash out, the bags of trash are not as big. We also years ago worked with Coca-Cola with most restaurant chains, what you do with um, fountain drinks, you have the syrup boxes and you don't see it as a customer, but they're syrup boxes. Well, the syrup boxes were pretty big and heavy and we worked with Coca-Cola to have smaller syrup boxes that might have to be changed out a little bit more frequently, but they weren't going to be as heavy. And I will say hands down the winner 
of what we did. And this was, again, probably 15, 20 years ago, CCTV, closed caption TV in all of our restaurants. And we saw our claims reduced by probably 50% once that happened because they couldn't fake things anymore. The camera doesn't lie. Either it happened or it didn't. And so my team, they spent a lot of time looking at video footage to determine whether a claim is compensable or not. So we've, and it was interesting when they put in the CCTV, the original thing was to, it was thinking more like cash register shortages and food shortages where food would go out the back door where people would steal food, that type of thing. But from a workers' comp and general liability standpoint, and it's been amazing what we've seen on film. There was a general liability claim, an older lady who claimed that she tripped over a chair at Waffle House and, you know, had hurt herself really bad. Well, what we saw is she she literally, she was sitting in one area. She walked back by another area. When she did, she pulled out a chair ever so slightly and pretended to trip over the chair. It's amazing what people will do. So. Yes. I will say if you're in claims, you just learn to be um, cynical and don't believe anything that anyone says. <laughs> yes, that's definitely a good, a good mindset, especially in your <laughs> position. Unfortunately, yeah. you gotta got to have a tough skin. Yes. So we're going to go ahead and shift gears really quickly to hear from our sponsor, Highland. Bringing a voice to the industry today is Highland. When founding Highland more than 85 years ago, Edward Highland promised to treat clients and employees like family, with honesty, respect, and trust. Today, they are among the largest privately held, full-service insurance brokerage firms in the United States and a 12-consecutive-year winner of Best Places to Work in Insurance. Highland has 17 offices in Ohio, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, and California, and is a member of the Worldwide Brokerage Network. They design and deliver customized business insurance, personal insurance, and employee benefits brokerage and consultation services that meet the needs of clients locally and nationally, as well as internationally. So, Elizabeth, what do you love most about your current position at Waffle House? Um, I think what I love the most is no two days are the same. I really never know when you walk in the office what it's going to be. Um, you know, some days it's strategizing on a litigated claim. Um, the next day it's taking a deep dive into the numbers. There's a huge financial component to claims and always managing the numbers piece. Or some days I'm identifying new vendors who can best serve us. It's a pretty large industry from case management to investigators to whatever. And, you know, pre-COVID, um, obviously things have changed in the last year, but, you know, um, pre-COVID, I traveled frequently. I'm going to hearings and mediations and conferences, and that was always something I enjoy. I love to travel. I would say probably my favorite thing to do of all the things I do for work is I love evaluating claims for settlement and participating in the mediation process. I love finding that sweet spot of what will it take to settle a claim that's fair to our associate, but also um, is favorable to the company as well. So we've heard some of your stories today, and I, I heard that you have a couple more. Which one is one that will stick with you forever? 
I've got two. Can I do two? Sure. So, um, okay. The first one is we had one of our associates, um, sales associates. She was upset because a customer left without paying. Well, she really wasn't upset that Waffle House didn't get the money. She was upset that she had not gotten her tip money. So she violated company policy and she followed the customer outside of the restaurant, which we're never supposed to do that. And she was determined to get her tip money. So the guy's in his car and first she's blocking him from the front, from the back. You know, it's like she's not going to let him back out. And But he's still backing out. So she thought, that's okay. I'm going to block him from the front. Well, what the guy did was then he slammed on the accelerator. And the next thing you know, she is a hood ornament holding on to the windshield wipers. Meanwhile, she's also trying to call 911 with one hand while she's on this. And then he winds up slamming the brakes. She she did have some serious injuries. We denied it. We It was on appeal for like probably a year and a half, two years. We ultimately won it. But What's crazy is then like a week later, I had another almost identical claim where someone was a hood ornament trying to get their tips. And so that hasn't happened in a long time. So that's one of the crazier things that happened. Another thing, and I already kind of alluded to um, a disgruntled ex-spouses and things like that. We had a guy who was determined to kill his ex-wife. And the way he was going to kill his ex-wife was he literally drove his entire car through the Waffle House. Fortunately, no one was injured, not even the ex-wife. Obviously, the restaurant was seriously injured, and we had to you know, get in, involved with our property coverage and that type of thing. But the, those are two of the crazier ones that I can talk about. There's some that are not quite as clean for a podcast. <laughs> I I appreciate your discretion, but I'm happy that you were able to share those two. (laughs) Additionally, we would love to hear about if you are involved with any professional organizations or philanthropic events, and if so, how have they been helpful to either you personally or your career? Sure. I serve on several professional boards in the workers' comp arena. Um, It is very much like its own little world in workers' comp. So I'm on the executive board for the Georgia Workers' Comp Association, and that is largely a networking and lobbying association um, for on behalf of employers. What, what laws will benefit employers in the workers' comp arena? I also serve on the board for the Georgia Self-Insured Guaranteed Trust Fund, um, and that's actually a fairly interesting one. We actually assess the viability of other employers in the state of Georgia to determine whether they um, are financially strong enough to be self-insured. So it also means I'm on the cutting edge. I know what companies are about to go bankrupt as well in the state of Georgia. So that's always kind of interesting. And then I serve on something called the Advisory Council. It's unique to Georgia. I wish every state had something like this. Um, The chairman of the State Board of Workers' Compensation appoints an advisory council that were broken up into committees. It's about 100 people across the state. It's employers, it's defense attorneys, claimants attorneys, doctors, all key stakeholders in the workers' comp industry. I serve on the rules committee, but basically our mission is to 
work collaboratively with all the different viewpoints to come up with the legislation and the rules that um, adjudicate workers' comp claims. And so that's actually um, one I really love being on because I feel like it can really make a difference. So all of these are really helpful for networking and learning what other people are doing. I'm on a lot of these committees with a lot of the same people. So I'm on committees with people from UPS and Delta and Coca-Cola, um, Home Depot, you know, big name companies. And while our industries might be different, there are things I learned from them about what can we do to make Waffle House better. So that's always great. And just um, they've become really strong professional friends of mine to just bounce questions off of. And so that's on the professional side. I would say outside of that, the largest thing I do is I have been an international volunteer for Kappa Kappa Gamma almost since I graduated from college. And, um, you know, when people told me the sorority experience would be for a lifetime, I thought, that's silly. Um, You know, it's just about having some parties and doing some fun things while you're in college. But it has been so rewarding. And so I have served on our international council currently for 10 years. And currently I'm a district director where I oversee nine chapters. But I think for me, I've learned so much. I've always said that um, Waffle House is better because of Kappa and Kappa is better because of Waffle House. Um, Because both I've learned and kind of crossed over the learning knowledge with both organizations. I certainly with Kappa have learned a lot about teamwork, collaboration, mentoring, just general leadership skills. And then it's always helpful just to have other women that I can bounce things off of. Just uh, certainly some of my biggest role models have come through Kappa. And when I've had professional challenges to have those women that I can sit down and say, I've been experiencing this in my office, what would you recommend? And that's been huge. I love that you have a professional network that really helps you get through those hard times and even the the really great ones as well as a personal network. Mm -hmm. I think that collaboration between the two is is amazing and it, it sounds like it's really been helpful for you as well. As far as any tips for success for the future leaders of insurance listening in today, do you have any or would you say maybe joining the philanthropic events and, and activities and professional associations is the way to go as well? I think all of that, truly you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. And that's creating um, partnerships with people that you are actually working with in your office. But then, as I've already alluded to, I have wide, wide network beyond that. Certainly, you want to take advantage of every networking opportunity that you have with conferences, serving on boards, taking advantage of speaking opportunities, even if you're scared to death to do it. I know the first time I was asked to speak at a conference, and it was actually my boss who really encouraged and kind of pushed me onto an agenda. And I thought, I can't do that. And, you know, now I love speaking at conferences and actually am a fairly well sought after speaker. But through that, I, again, it expands my network. You're serving on panels with people. You get to know different people. Um, and then I think the other thing is building strong partnerships with the vendors that you interface with, which goes back to you're only as good as the people you surround you, yourself with. And whatever you're doing in the 
insurance industry, there are a lot of vendor partners that come into play and you really need to really leverage that. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for joining us today, Elizabeth. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Hearing about Waffle House and your amazing outlook on workers' comp has been great. And for our listeners, please look out for any additional content from Risk and Reward premiering soon. We will announce new episodes through our Instagram at GIS Butler, Butler's Gamma Iota Sigma LinkedIn page, and on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and lastly, the National Alliance's website, scic.com. We'll see you soon.